Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Very exciting because we are doing another interview. But just like always, let's take a moment to be mindful. Let's take a moment to connect with our body. And if you can do this like once every hour, especially if you're working at a computer, it's something easy that you can implement. So we're going to just try to yawn. And this can be a fake yawn. And you can do your fake yawn. And hopefully this will even trigger a real yawn. So you do your yawn. And maybe you say, ah, as you exhale. Notice how a yawn interrupts your thoughts and feelings. This brings you into the present. And then stretch if you're able. Really slow. And for a couple of seconds, notice any tightness, any ease in your body. And try to bring that ease about in your body. Say hello to any places that are tight. Being mindful, noticing without judgment. And just come back to the present moment. And that's something that you can do at your desk. Nobody's going to judge you, think you're weird, because we all yawn. Um, And it's just a good way to bring you back to that moment. Yeah, I love that. It's taking a little pause. So as Britt said, today we have our third guest who I'm very excited to bring on. Her name is Kimberly Peters, and I met her a couple years ago on Instagram. Um, She's all the way in Australia, and she is a fellow massage therapist as well as a acupuncture student. Um, And so today we're going to mostly talk about um, what she kind of specializes in. So um, she specializes mostly in reproductive and womb health and medicine um, using massage therapy. And she'll be kind of tying in uh, Chinese medicine as she completes her degree. Um, So today we're really going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about um, things about being a woman, um, how you women should or uh, do smell and taste down there. That's an interesting little tidbit we got into, um, as well as many other things to help you take care of your womb, to be present with your womb um, and your menstrual health. So without further ado, here is Kimberly. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of In Touch Podcast. Today, we have a guest that I'm so excited to actually talk to outside of Instagram, Kimberly Peters. So I met Kimberly through Instagram um, when I first started my acupuncture page as a student of Chinese medicine. Um, She lives in and has a very similar path as Britt and I when it comes to careers in the health field. Um, She's a beautiful easy to understand content um, and it always carries a teachable moment so we are so happy to have you on today Kimberly thank you for being so flexible and taking time for us today 
Um, so can you tell us and our listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, your journey becoming a healthcare professional and where your passion Thank lies? Thank you, Nicole and Britt. It's so lovely to be here. It's an honor to join you both. I've been so excited about this podcast and yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Um, and Nicole, yeah, it's been fun to talk with you on Instagram pretty much every day now, I think. Um, and it's really nice like, <laughs> to have an acupuncture sisters from across the world um, and to share that part of studying mm-hmm. with you. So, um, yeah, it's really fun to be here. Um, well, my journey into women's health and being a health professional started actually more than 15 years ago. So I've been in the health industry for more than 15 years. Um, and what first took me into the industry was as a lot of health professionals, um, our own path and the issues that we're facing within ourselves. So for me, as a, as a youth, like in my teens, I had um, pretty major body image issues, um, developed an eating disorder by 15, and I was eating one apple a day at one stage. And, my, I, yeah, I fainted oh in, the, in the hall at home. And mum found me and she just dragged me to a nutritionist, which was a great move by her. And I just sat mm-hmm. in front of this woman yeah. who just, you know, spewed out all this wonderful knowledge and I was, I fell in love with just not knowing things about food and health and how to empower ourselves that way. And so after that, I got into health and fitness and I had my own business in the fitness industry for um, many years. And then what happened was my clients started asking me more sophisticated questions. So they would ask me things like, um, why do I have pain in my womb at certain times of the month? Or they couldn't come to training because they were scared of flooding their pads. And I didn't know the answers to these questions. Um, and I wanted to know mm-hmm. the answers. Like I couldn't serve them as best as I could without studying more. Mm-hmm. And so... That was um, oh, that was like six years now where I decided I actually held the naturopathy brochure and the Chinese medicine brochure, one in each hand, thinking, how do I choose which one I want to do? And then as a lot of us do, I just tuned in. I thought, no, Chinese medicine is absolutely the path. Um, so I signed up for that. And then, you know, as you would know, Nicole, studying Chinese medicine, that you learn all about the channels and qi and blood flow, and that really helped me to – um, dive further into women's health and understanding our cycles from a Chinese medicine point of view mm-hmm. and also a Western medicine point of view as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Um, so I follow a lot of, interestingly enough, I follow a lot of people that are in Australia, that are mm-hmm. healthcare providers in Australia. And from the outside, it seems like your education system is like top notch there. I don't know how you perceive it because obviously yeah. you're there and you're using it, but I feel like no matter if it's a, a um, acupuncturist or a naturopath or a nutritionist, you guys like you all have the same basis. It's no like oh this profession only gets this certain information mm. and this profession like that's how it kind of works right. in the U.S. I feel like, um, which is really just horrible and it kind of makes us have a divide but how, what do you, how do you see the education it's that so you interesting Nicole there? perceptions right because I actually I don't know about other Aussies but I actually think the same about you guys like uh I think your naturopathists are called naturopathic doctors 
maybe. And that's not the case here. Mm-hmm. Um, in Australia, we have four things like Chinese medicine, um, naturopathy, myotherapy, um, chiropractic. We all have a baseline, which is a health science degree, and that is the commonality. Um, mm-hmm. And then you go off and you do your specialisations. But I was actually talking to oh, well, it was you, Nicole, and also another ACU sister from across the world about you studying for the boards and how intense that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and how many you have to do. We don't have to do that. Our, to pass our exam in, for Chinese medicine, in my course anyway, we have to do, we have one exit exam from the college um, and it's pretty intense. Like you have mm-hmm. to obviously know everything and you have a random client coming to see you. You're assessed by um, the panel of assessors and you have to complete the treatment from start to finish. Um, but we don't have to study for multiple boards. It's just that one exam. Um, yeah, so I think, hmm. yeah, it's interesting how, you know, different perceptions. Are. I think, you know, Australian practitioners are amazing right. and we have lots of knowledge, but I'm sure Americans also have, you know, excellent standards as well. And it seems harder to enter the industry where you live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it can be difficult. It depends on it's, I'm not sure because you have provinces uh, in Australia. No, we don't. Right? We have. I don't we have states. Or do you have states? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, in our states, like, every state's run differently right. with the education system. Um, so, like, New York is where Britt and I live is one of, like, Not the really. toughest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they're, high, like, the highest standards for um, most healthcare professions, which is great because you know that you're getting, yes. like, top quality. Um but yeah, it is interesting how our perceptions are completely the same. <laughs> yeah, the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> opposite. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's something I always wanted to know. I've you've posted mm-hmm. a bunch on Instagram. Um, but can you talk more about kind of like your reproductive health massage and like what that entails, what you work yeah, on? Yeah, sure. My favorite topic. Mm-hmm. Um I do have to say, so mm-hmm. this this work, the womb massage work, it's my um, specialization is reproductive health massage, but obviously, like obviously, that includes a lot of womb massage as well, and it's a very niche um, mm-hmm. area in women's health. And in my town, there's not many of us. There's maybe I don't know five that I know of, um, and to actually be interested in this work. It's for me, it was again, it's a personal journey. So I've been on a fertility journey for a number of years now. Um, it's something I haven't really shared on my social media because it's such a private journey, right? Um, and I'm talking about it publicly mm-hmm. now, which is, which is good because it's, it does help women when they know other women are going through it. And the great thing about womb sure. massage, it has been a modality and a tool that has helped me so much with the fertility journey because it is such a challenging path and it can really, like, it's the perfect storm for disconnection to our wombs because when you get your period each month, you think, okay, great, not pregnant again. And then, you know, it's, it's just the perfect conditions to turn on your body and to start feeling resentment that your body is not doing what you want it to do. Mm-hmm. Um so for me, mm-hmm. I just felt this gap in the, just in my knowledge base and tools for how do I stay connected deeply to my body 
and my innate wisdom and loving myself because I spent so many years building that self-love and building that um, muscle from so many years of, you know, body image issues. How do I remain connected, stay loving on myself through this path? And the perfect tool was womb massage. So when we massage the womb, I'll never forget in my um, training to do womb massage, um, we had to learn how to actually feel the walls of the womb. Now, the womb is a very Mm. potent and secret place because she actually lies nine layers deep, and that Mm. is past muscle, fascia, tissue. And you're both massage therapists. You know know, know the body, you know the Mm -hmm. fascia and tissue, you know how it feels. But Mm -hmm. to touch the walls of the womb, it's not easy. You have to actually go quite deep and um, think about nine layers of fascia um mm-hmm. so in the course we were taught how to do it and the first time I felt the walls of the womb of the woman I was working on I actually gasped because I was just shocked by how it felt it was beautiful I was like this is a vessel that lies in all of us um and mm-hmm. it feels like the walls of the womb feel like a full water balloon that's the best way I can describe it. Like the walls hmm. are kind of buoyant and they bounce back. Um, but it's a very interesting feeling and it's the first time I ever felt anything like it. And in that moment I knew that it, I was tapping into something amazing and something that I could uh, tune into and then teach women how to tune into. And placing, as you know, as massage therapists, placing your hands on your own body or someone else's body with the modality of touch is so deeply healing and so somatic and so Mm -hmm. connecting and to have that on that kind of like effect on the womb is really deeply healing I found in my practice that sounds amazing (laughs) that sounds so amazing (laughs) Uh I'm going to we're going to Australia and touch our wombs (laughs) Um, is there a lot of like somatic emotional release related to that? Have you found in your practice? Because that's got to be like that's like the center yes. of a woman. It's actually yeah, a question. You know? And to not even just think about like the womb itself, but the abdominal area in general. People mm-hmm. are so. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it's such a good question, um, and it is a big. It actually surprised me how much of the practice is that spiritual side and the um, energetic side more so than the physicality a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I see women from everything from fertility journeys, women with endometriosis, PCOS, amenorrhea, PMS, women on IVF journeys. Um, sexual abuse actually is a, is a big one. Um, mm-hmm. And again, I didn't expect that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, right. In the practice, you have the physical organs of the abdomen. And as you would know, Nicole, studying Chinese medicine, we have the channels in the body, so stomach channel, kidney, conception vessel, spleen, all running through the abdomen. So it's this like super Mm -hmm. highway of just energetic hotspots. And in womb medicine, we have specific parts of the abdomen that relate to specific things. So, for example, the REN8, which is the belly button, um, that is our deep connection to mother. And it's a physical connection to mother, right, through the umbilical cord. 
But I find that women who have mother, the we call it the mother wound, and many of us are walking around with this mother wound. Basically, it is as humans, we're the only species where we rely on our parents for our livelihood for many, many years. Whereas out in the wild, you know, you're you're born, and then you know, six weeks later, you're on your own to find food and to fly free. But for humans, it's like, what, 18 years a lot of the time and more. I lived at home until I was 30. So for me, it was 30 years. Um, so it's a very interesting and unique relationship. And if you're a parent, how can you possibly provide the perfect emotional, financial, um, spiritual support to your child? You're going to stuff it up in some way or other. Like it's impossible mm-hmm. to actually serve all of the child needs. So... I found along the way, and this is my own experience too, that I just felt resentment towards my mother. Like, you didn't do this or you said this or you didn't say this. You didn't, you know, it's just especially the mother and daughter bond is very complex. So when women have Mm -hmm. this present, it can show up physically and manifest around the belly button. So this feels like hardness around Renate. It feels like pain. And I don't know many women who have felt around their own belly buttons and haven't felt some hardness or density or stagnation. Um, and often this will be, be because the underlying issue, I believe every manifestation physically comes from an emotional source. Um, mm-hmm. Usually this is a mother issue. And it's interesting because on the table I've seen like women go through um, – big emotional releases because, you know, we could have this saying in, in um, womb massages that issues are in the tissues. Our, hmm. we're, so, we're somatic beings, right? <laughs> so our cells have memories and they, we have memories from in our DNA passed on generation to generation to generation. And it's so interesting. I have one client, she was, she is Vietnamese. And her grandmother had been deeply in the Vietnam, in the war. And Mm -hmm. so she actually has um, trauma that isn't hers, but it's just been passed along through the DNA, the womb Mm -hmm. stories, and she has anxiety and she has a lot of things that it doesn't, to her it doesn't make sense, like why do I have this stuff? But we we have to remember we come from the wombs of all the women, women before us. Mm-hmm. And that is passed, a lot mm-hmm. of that stuff's passed along. If there's trauma, if there's oppression, if there's abuse, like it, that, those memories can actually be passed along. So the emotional aspect of wound massage is big. Yeah. And I think, like, yeah. I just keep thinking of these, like, nine layers that protect it. But then when we do have that emotional impact that's passed on from, future or I'm sorry previous generations or maybe even something that happened to us and like to think mm-hmm. how deep that is that mm-hmm. can get to that point absolutely it's a really good point Britt um and that's the thing about you know if we have experienced abuse or trauma or whatever it is that it, there's so many layers to us there's the physicality, their spirituality, emotional, our consciousness, our subconsciousness, our brain, our mind. There's so many aspects to being a human being and an energetic being that I think we haven't really quite tapped into understanding trauma or understanding this effect. And I actually think about, you know, this COVID situation. 
I have deep concern over the long-term impacts, not only on mental health, but on the health of ourselves and mm-hmm. our bodies and being indoors for basically the whole year. Like how is that impacting our cellular health? You know, we build ourselves from our environment, right? And, you know, as you've been known to call Chinese medicine, the food we eat, the air we breathe, how is this kind of indoor living affecting our wombs in the end or our reproductive health and all the sanitizing and all the ha- – like it's going to have an effect and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm quite concerned. And, mm. yeah, and, and not to really mention too, just the trauma that we have all like collectively been through yep. and just the fear factor that's been involved, the guilt that comes along with, mm-hmm. you know, what if this one action that I made has this ripple effect? Mm-hmm. And it's just going to be interesting to see how that plays out generationally, too, because it's like, how do we go back now to what it was before without having that like trauma, that impact that we've all collectively gone through over the last seven months, eight months? Absolutely. And it's like, you know, it remains to be seen, but I, I really agree with you there. And in womb medicine, we have hot spots in the body where we where we hold um, grief, where we hold fear. Um, there's a spot right on the side of the glute where that's really a hot spot for holding grief, and it's it's usually very sore for most people mm-hmm. because you know who who hasn't gone through life experiencing some kind of grief. Um, but it's going to be interesting, you know, with the deepest compassion to say that how women and men sometimes too present on the table after all this is over on the other side of it, how this collective trauma and grief, like, you know, you said is going to show up and manifest physically in ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting, but I think, think we're at this pivotal time where we are really merging new technology with this ancient wisdom Mm. and we have to have faith that there's a reason why all of there's there's a spiked interest in holistic healing and exploring like the emotional trauma and effects on the body yeah and I mean Nicole and I can probably and, and you too agree that this is the kind of content that we subscribe to and that we're interested in it. So it seems like it is in the forefront for us, Mm -hmm. but I just feel like there is this collective understanding and knowing, and maybe like now we're calling it mental health, Mm -hmm. but it just seems like it's all bubbling up to the surface and that there really is a lot of healing to be done, but there's a lot of healers that are here right now too. I love that, Britt. Like it's so well said and you're absolutely right. And I think that, you, you know, it is a turning point and it's a breaking point. Like how, and that's also womb stuff as well. Like it's the rise of the feminine in a lot of ways because this world we live in, and this is what I teach in clinic as well, that we have operated on a very yang-based system. So yang is that masculine energy it is, you know, you work 10 hours a day, then you come home and you hopefully try and cook something half nutritionally, you know, great. And then you collapse into bed and it's this cycle of stress and work and stress and work. And, you know, the, the constant need to strive and do and achieve, that for me are all very masculine traits and it all, they all have their place. But as women, 
that doesn't suit us. Mm-hmm. Like the nine to five every day doesn't suit us because we're cyclical beings. And when I got my head around the fact that, oh, hang on, mm-hmm. I remember now that I'm a cyclical being. I'm part of nature. Nature works cyclically with the four seasons. Um, I also, we also as women have four seasons in our inner, inner seasons. It's through the, you know, hormonal fluctuations of the our cycles. So mm-hmm. remembering that I'm a cyclical being, trying to slot that into the way the world is set up, the modern world, like just working and being unconscious, like it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't fit. So I think the more this like beautiful feminine awakening and arising and empowering is happening, it is bringing up, like you said, Britt, the, the need to address your feelings, address your emotions. Like these are all beautifully feminine qualities. And, mm-hmm. you know, from ancient times, the females in the, you know, the packs and the clans were the medicine women, were the, mm-hmm. he- the healers. Um, you know, the emotional support of the, the clan was through the woman. And this, we're remembering that now. And we're, we're really, as women, stepping up to be leaders in this space. And we already are. But the rest of the world is catching up and realizing that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that you brought that up because I think, I think almost in every episode, Britt, we've, t- <laughs> we've talked about how mm-hmm. women are cyclical and how we should um, pay attention to how we're feeling in correspondence with our cycle. And like, say, like, for example, exercise, like if you are bleeding, maybe just do some yoga today. Like, that's okay. That's what your body needs versus mm-hmm. like a high intensity workout. Um, and I totally agree. Cause I also have this theory about like burnout and it's because we're not, we're not meant to go all mm-hmm. the time. We're not meant to have that young energy constantly all year round every day every month like this is we have to have those yin moments so then we absolutely. can have the energy to have the absolutely moments. and it, you know yin yin turns into yang right it's the constant mm-hmm. so how, how can we always be in yang mm-hmm. <clears throat> we're not allowing the space for the yin to be yeah. nourished um so yeah absolutely and it's really exciting that you know women are are remembering this because we always knew it. We just were just taken away from that path just because of the world, the way the world is set up. Like, where do we learn this stuff? We don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it should be in school. It should be part of the curriculum, right? Yeah, but it's not. And I think, like, I would just like to know your insight on all of this because I do think it ties in with that mother wound. But when, as women, I just feel like a lot of us have this guilt um, that if we don't do all the things if we don't help every person in our family or in our life if we don't uh, show up as our 100% best self every day all day long uh, we have this like guilt around it and I'm just like wondering what people can do to allow themselves to rest and like what's a good type Mm -hmm. of rest to do that's actually like going to fulfill that need without the guilt attachment yeah that's such a good question Britt and I think that the women have for a long time been over givers so it's like you know give and take is an exchange right so when we're we're giving and we're giving we're depleting that deep yin reserves like it we're just like you know going into those deep layers that really we're meant to be nourishing for us um and so some of the practices that you can do to 
nourish yourself and nourish the yin without feeling guilt. I think it really begins with understanding your cycle. Like you mentioned before, you know, having that cycle awareness of the hormonal fluctuations through the, the month and knowing that, okay, so when I'm bleeding, my hormones are flatlined and that means I don't have what's hormonally available to me to actually give everything to everyone. And, you know, that's, hard, that's easy to say, but when a woman has a family or she has four kids and she's got a husband, she's got a job, there's so many things pulling her in different directions. But I really believe, and I've seen this so much, the woman is the epicenter of the family because we are cyclical beings and we kind of fluctuate through our cycles. The, I see it in my own husband. Like if I am ovulating and, you know, we're trying to conceive as well. So it's, you know, it's on, right? Like um, when, we're, when we're going through these beautiful hormonal fluctuations, our partners, our children, our pets, if you pay attention, they actually respond to us and we set the tone and the energy of the family, which I find so fascinating. So if we as women can say, all right, I really deeply understand myself here. I understand that when I'm bleeding, I need to communicate to my partner that he or she needs to do more. I need more support. This is what I need. And once we understand where we are, what we need, we can communicate that and receive that because that opens up the chance for us to receive instead of constantly giving. Um, And so that I think is the first step. And then as you travel through those inner seasons through the month, like for womb medicine, we call it winter is bleeding, your um, follicular phase is spring, ovulation is summer, and luteal phase is autumn. The energy of each of those seasons is reflected in the, the seasons of nature. So in summer, for example, when we ovulate, it is a very yang time. And that's the deep, the most yang of the body. Like you, you're ovulating. Like we need that yang engine to push out an egg and for conception to happen. So if we understand this, then we could say, okay, a deeply nourishing practice for me as a woman without having that guilt is in my ovulation, my summer, I'm going to organize my life that I could have two hours out with my girlfriends going dancing or I can have, um, you know, I can get my partner to take the kids out while I do a, a podcast interview because I'm feeling expressive and I'm my most creative. It's just really first deeply understanding our women's wisdom and our womb wisdom and then communicating that to everyone else in our lives. And I actually organize my entire life around my menstrual cycle. Like today I'm cycle day 14 and there's no coincidence that I've agreed to this podcast and come on on this day because, you know, I have my words, they're flowing because I, I'm expressive and I have those beautiful hormones to support me. Um, what cycle day are you ladies on? I'm actually ovulating right now too. Ah, in sync. Mm-hmm. I am not. I'm past. Uh, my period's in four days yeah. apparently. Okay. We'll see. And so, Nicole, 30. how are you feeling? Like this is your inner in a autumn, um, you know, more kind of inwards time. Are you feeling like, you know, low energy or how are you feeling? How are you feeling? Um, I, well, I've really got into recently again, cause I have mm. a little more time like reading mm-hmm. like books just for pleasure. And so I have been definitely curling up like this past week. 
just curling up and wanting to be inside and like I had to force myself to go for a bike ride today because I'm like you yeah. need to go out it's beautiful outside um which I I'm glad that I did but it's still like I could have just like, yeah I love on it the couch reading a book <laughs> but I allow myself to have that too and that whole guilt complex which I think a lot of it comes from mm. Catholicism mostly oh, yeah <laughs> there's the whole Catholic guilt thing that's rooted very deeply and I just saw, I don't know if either of you are on TikTok, but I just saw a TikTok and it says, it was like, has anyone else grown up where their parents weren't Catholics wow. anymore, but you still have all the Catholic guilt? And I love like, that oh my you God, said that's that. Me. <laughs> on the same. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 It's so hard to like break that. And I finally, I think this year I'm finally understanding like it is okay to do what you need because it'll absolutely make you and better I was in brought the up, end like... um, not catholic but anglican so christian and it is incredible mm-hmm. how religion had like just instilled so much guilt shame judgment and it, it really shows up in the womb like i really have found a correlation between women brought up in deeply religious families and a sexual disconnection Mm-hmm. because for me personally, like as mm-hmm. growing up, um, I remember once mum found my diary and read it when I was 16. Can you imagine the stuff she read? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, no. Was, like I was, oh. you know, talked about patching boys or whatever. And she was like, you know that God's watching you. You're going to be punished. Like just that connection of sexuality and shame or that we're being watched yeah. by some higher power and judged. Yeah. And then just imagine the shame that you hold in your body around that stuff. And then, you know, no doubt that relates into a fertility journey mm-hmm. or or like pain manifesting. It, it can't not. So that. Right. Or the fact yes, that most women can't exactly. have an orgasm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, of course they can't if you're shameful yep. of you even like. Exactly. And someone, I, I just so. think. There's so much work to be done there. Like I'm not knocking the religion. I mean, it didn't work for me. No. Mm-hmm. But how can we have right. religion? And ha- but also consciousness and awareness. And from young, like if you're brought up, you know, in a religious family, like I was, and it sounds like you also, you know, having enough awareness that yes, if you want to be religious, great. But why do we have to, you know, give up our our confidence and our sense of being guilt free for religion? Like it's an outdated model. It doesn't work. Yeah, I'm just thinking, too, mm-hmm. because yeah, my grandmother left the Catholic Church when she was, like, in her early 20s. Mm-hmm. So I grew up Christian, but it was, like, she had this big influence on me. Like, she just wanted me to appreciate how good that we had it, that we could, like, make our own assumptions and connections and have, like, this deeper connection with, nature and finding God in nature and so Mm. at the time though growing up I was jealous of all my Catholic friends that had all the structure and it seemed (laughs) like they had their stuff together (laughs) Um, when in reality I'm just so grateful for that now and uh, I see it with my husband because he grew up in a Catholic household and even though they're not like super religious just so much shame Mm. around the body and sexuality and, mm. and you know we're working through it still but I have to always remember to give that space and grace for my friends and family that have that because it's it runs deep mm-hmm. and even though it wasn't there with my grandma still it would just always turn around and you know God is watching you mm-hmm. make sure you <laughs> behave yourself 
Yeah, and I love that you shared that. And that's the thing, like it, it shows up in our partners, in our children, in our friends, in our mothers and fathers. And I love that you have that awareness to hold that space for your husband as you work through it. Um, and that will only empower you both in your connection and your sexuality, intimacy, all of it. It's just, that's an amazing journey. Yeah, absolutely. So I also just wanted to add, like, how empowering that is, that, like, we don't have to be these victims to our cycle and that Mm. we can create, like, the life that we want, the family, the work environment, whatever it is based on that. And it's almost like this cool little secret that (laughs) we have that we don't even have to necessarily give up. Yes, it is. It is. It is a blessing and a gift to be a woman and have a cycle and when I say that there's always a voice in my head going Kimberly that's really rich for someone to hear if they're going through extreme pain every month they can't get out of bed or they're flooding their pads or their cups or their tampons how can Mm -hmm. someone Mm -hmm. who is experiencing that find that blessing and gift that it is to have a cycle um and I just think that it is, it's like a remembering that you, we can actually, you, like, it's like recalibrating all the conditioning, all the messages we've received from young, the having periods of pain in the butt, and it should stop you from doing everything basically at certain times. But it is like a secret. It's a secret that we have the power as women to redefine how we experience bleeding, how we experience that cycle. And if, like I call the womb work that um, my North Star, like really it has changed everything for me. Like I will plan out social outings or sometimes you plan sex if you're trying to conceive, Um, you know, my public speaking (laughs) projects, uh, uni stuff. I mean, obviously it's hard when there's deadlines at work and that kind of thing. But if most of the time we can use this knowledge of our cycle and our wombs, womb wisdom, remembering that innate wisdom um it really is like this kind of beautiful magic in the background that informs our life and infuses it with with like flow and harmony and uh there's a thing that i talk about where you pull in what you want like the yang masculine is very push right we push and we push and we strive and we achieve and the feminine is the opposite we pull in we're magnetic we're magnetic in our womb like strength we pull in what we want we manifest it like pulling in a baby spirit pulling in your dream job pulling in 10 more clients because it's that shift of yes I'm in my power I've got my womb wisdom backing me all the way I love that (laughs) love it love it so I was on birth control for over 10 years and it was when I was really young to like I don't know, 14, 15 years old. Mm. Uh, Yeah, all the way into my mid-20s. And I'm just like wondering, because I know there's a lot more people out there like me that experience that, but that disconnect that I had with my body. And Mm -hmm. then after being off of it for a few years, and like, I'm really starting to tune in with my cycle again, or actually kind of for the first time. But is there long-standing like damage that has been created that can't be undone or should I feel that with working with it and connecting with my cycle that I can fully heal 
It's such a good question. I'm really excited for you and your journey off the pill. Um, and I'm the same as you. I was on the pill for more than a decade. Um, when I was 18, it was as easy as strolling in, requesting it, bang, like a lollipop. Yep, here you go. No uh, education <laughs> around it at all um, about long-term effects. And I have to say that no. f- fertility, some of the long-term effects, I've been off the pill now for I think about six years and I'm still correcting and healing things that happened because of it, including things like building my endometrial lining, like for a beautiful little embryo or, ba- or like baby to snuggle in. It has to be more than seven millimeters. When I first had an ultrasound on my womb, my lining was three millimeters mm-hmm. and it was just thinned out because the pill depletes, right? It depletes us. Um, so I have to say that mm-hmm. it you should feel empowered to know that, yes, absolutely, I believe, and I see it every day in clinic, you can heal yourself after being on the pill for how, how many number of years. It takes dedication. It takes discipline. It takes that deep want and desire to heal from the inside out, to reconnect because, like you said, like the pill shuts us down it shuts down hormones physically. And if we don't have these beautiful hormonal fluctuations, how do we then like connect into that? Because it's not there, it's not there. Um, so, you know, I help women every day and myself included to show them the small things to help that reconnection. The pill, yes, it does damage, but it cannot take away our power. If we forgive that power, it will, but we must reclaim it back and nourish those, those hormones. Um, so there's some things I teach in clinic and that I do myself. So definitely woo massage is a beautiful way to heal because, again, as massage therapists, all three of us, we know the power of touch. And massage around the womb helps blood and chi to circulate, helps to build endometrial lining, helps to nourish the ovaries and bring blood flow so we can have big, beautiful, juicy, fertile eggs. Um, things like yoni steaming, have you either of you tried that? I have. I haven't tried it, but I've heard a bunch yeah, about it. But if it's, you want to speak more, well, basically, about it, it's, totally it's herbal okay. steaming for your vagina, and it helps us to cleanse and nourish and moisten all the tissues um, through the vagina, the cervix, all the the whole area. Um, and I find doing this for twenty minutes. I do it twice a month around the moon. So I do a one on the new moon and the full moon, and I find doing that. One of my favorite things about this practice actually is that it's deeply cleansing from past lovers. <laughs> like mm. when, when we have sex mm. and a man ejaculates in us, there's research now that shows some of the, the remnants of that sperm burrows in to us and stays there. So imagine that. Yeah. I know. <laughs> if you think, oh God! Oh God! <laughs> I, I need one. I need one now. That was left with, and all of, some of their deposits are still in us. Um, you no, know, I, if our um, parents just told us that, I really would have reconsidered. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It would inform us yep. to make better choices, right? Um, but it's it, it helps to just cleanse tissues and cleanse and open. And bring in flow um, and just to nourish like tight, dense tissues. So just to open it up and to release what's no longer required. So that I find is deeply healing. And especially after being on the pill, I find personally that your vagina can be very dry. 
I don't know mm-hmm. if you've noticed that, but it, it depletes. It dries up mm-hmm. your yin and that is like moisture. So it helps to moisturize your tissues. Um, so yoni steaming is definitely one thing. Um, castor oil packs, have you, either of you tried those? No, I have not. So that is another mm-hmm. powerful tool. It's an ancient, ancient um, remedy really. Like it's just that ancient knowledge that castor oil is deeply detoxifying. So it is essentially getting your best quality organic castor oil and you, you soak a, like an, a flannel with it and you place the flannel on your womb and you put a heat pack on there and the heat and the, thera- uh, and the kind of medicinal properties of the castor oil helps to extract toxins. If you've been through an IVF cycle, you have like hormones and toxins in your womb space because you are injecting yourself with them. Mm-hmm. So I get all the women I work with to mm-hmm. do castor oil packs after their stims, you know, for their egg collection, the stimulation of the hormones. And um, that helps, you know, just having that time because all of these things, even Nicole, you would know moxa over the womb, like when we have the moxa mm-hmm. sticks. Um, all of these practices mm-hmm. force us to be still because you can't multitask when you have a moxa stick in your hand. I've tried it and I've burnt myself and it doesn't mm-hmm. work. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you can't, you know, you can't take a phone call or study when you, you're having steam go up your vagina. Like you can't. So it forces you to slow down, yep. be still, do one thing, and that alone helps us to reconnect back into just being still and like tuning into that stillness there's many things that come from that mm-hmm. yeah it's that switching of yes uh sympathetic exactly. to parasympathetic nervous system it's which is so important which is i think you know the basis main basis of why acupuncture massage all these different modalities work because it forces the mm-hmm. person to stop and do nothing but pay attention Absolutely. to us and I mean I don't bodies. know if you guys have this but how many clients do you have that you know you can see how uncomfortable they are on the table because they can't be on their phone it's just mm-hmm. like this itching and this fidgeting because they have to be mm-hmm. still and the amount of people that struggle with that is is interesting Absolutely. Or they feel like this need to talk yeah. or do something else and yeah. <laughs> yes. or stare at you. Yeah. You're like, can yeah. just, just close your and eyes. Again, that comes <laughs> It'll be okay. That especially women, like who it for them, for us, it feels unfamiliar sometimes to lie, receive treatment, receive love, caring, nurturing, because mm-hmm. we're the ones doing that normally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, that guilt comes into play again. They're probably thinking the shoulds come yeah. on your head. Oh, I should be doing this now. And, um, which is just, yes. And as hopefully you know, health, get them to quiet uh, practitioners their mind. <laughs> and therapists, like what a beautiful thing it is to hold that space for people who deeply need that to receive that, that they're not giving themselves or getting from other people. Yeah. And I just keep hearing this theme and I yeah. don't know if it's because I'm just ready to hear it, but it's, creating space Mm. and not necessarily I mean we are doing physical work too but just creating that space for people and tying it all back with the womb too because ultimately that's what we want right is to create the space within there that's sacred and Mm -hmm. and it's so true and um Nicole we have been talking about previously just you know wearing tight restrictive pants or jeans around your your abdomen 
that literally is mm-hmm. is taking up space. Like when I don't I haven't worn tight jeans for years now, and I don't miss it at all because we're actually constricting the area. We're constricting our wombs, constricting our abdomen, and all the organs in there. So when we actually physically allow space, so when we we get rid of all the tight jeans and the tight pants and the tight skirts, our organs can breathe more easily. We are allowing space for the fascia to actually just soften and open. And through that, you find that there's more blood flow and more chi flow, and that usually relates to other spacious things coming in. For me personally, what I've noticed is that wearing – like just beautiful loose things around my belly has it helped me to be more creative. I mean, Mm -hmm. the connection sounds strange, but I've created space Mm. as a somatic being in my body and energetically for new things to flow in. And even this relates to anyone listening who is on a fertility journey like me. Um, If you, for example, have a room in your house that you want to have as a nursery, but it is full like mine was of textbooks and just junk like a junk storeroom clear that (laughs) stuff out like because you need to create room to for a baby to come in like what that's one of those things you need to create room in room in your womb for a baby to come in so absolutely yes creating space i love that yeah i know i was gonna ask you about the whole um wearing tight and restricting pants because I don't know why but that Mm. you had a post and it was like maybe even a year ago or more now you had wrote a post about that and it just really stuck in my head um I just love that because obviously in the past 10 years like Mm -hmm. leggings and um, (laughs) yoga pants have been kind of have been in my wardrobe and many many women's wardrobes and I'm like please (laughs) don't like jeans come back (laughs) yeah um but it I would just say it reminds yes. me of two in Chinese oh, medicine, yeah. the Dai Mai and the girdling vessel. I've I really kind of feel connected to that, like as to a lot of issues for women, because that's really like our, it's mm-hmm. called our belt vessel or belt girdle. Um, so that's really like cutting that separation between the lower and the upper half. And if it's too constricted, then mm-hmm. things aren't going to allow for flow from one to the other or if it's too loose it's so then, true. Like, you have other issues absolutely so. and i think if you um, think of all the channels that run through the yeah. the, the diamai and through the abdomen it, you know you have this tight band of like jean material or yoga pants material um cutting off the channels basically like where is the flow how does everything um you know flow freely so yeah i and one time at my when we were all together in our um parents house my sister she was wearing I think she was wearing jeans and she started to have this like Hmm. headache out of nowhere and because we're sisters like she knows all this stuff um and she said you know what I'm gonna go and change into looser clothes and I'm gonna come back and I bet you my headache's gonna be gone and so Hmm. she borrowed some like loose track pants from my mom and within half an hour she goes oh my headache's gone no surprises there so it's true like once we have that flow you know, mm-hmm. we can just loosen up and not have to have pain or yeah. stagnation. Plus, you would think, like, when we're eating, to to be wearing tight pants and eating, mm-hmm. it can't serve us well. No. And, and I think, I mean, at least I've always felt this way, there is this societal pressure to, like, suck it in <laughs> and to always feel like you are sucking your gut in, uh, sucking your belly in. And um, in the last couple of years, I've been more mindful of that. Mm -hmm. But 
I would imagine that that also plays a role in not just restricting the fascia, but also just the chi and the energy flow in that area too. Absolutely. And I love that you're not like you're, you know, aware of that. I think to what I noticed personally, also vaginal health. When I would wear tight jeans, like, you know, day after day after day, when does your vagina Mm -hmm. get to breathe? You know, Mm -hmm. it is just basically trapped in this thick material that doesn't breathe well. And I noticed a correlation to women who wear tight jeans, yoga pants, you know, to developing thrush or BV. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There is a real correlation I see in clinic because the vagina is suffocating. So a little TMI, but a few years ago, like I really did just stop wearing underwear. Yep. Um, and like I'll wear like skirts and flowy <laughs> pants most of the time for work. And I have not had a UTI mm-hmm. or a yeast infection. And a couple of my girlfriends were on the same board and same for them. So it's just been really interesting to see that. I love that. I absolutely love it. And it's no no coincidence. And I, you know, it's never too... Never ever TMI with me. My clients always say that never. Like, you know, we discuss everything from stools to blood to cervical mucus. It's all on the table. Um, But, yes, I noticed the same with me. Like just I used to have um, recurrent thrush infections and the tight pants was one factor and I'm the same as you. Like sometimes I go without undies. Sometimes like I'm often in loose flowing clothes and my vagina is very happy these days. (laughs) Mm-hmm. yeah I think also too like for me I just I have to wear underwear but um like buying underwear that's more you know that's cotton it's not like these polyesters and silky underwear like that stuff doesn't mm-hmm. breathe so obviously same you know problems are gonna come up yeah um yeah I totally feel that though because I definitely I always make sure like clean pair when I go to bed at night um and mm-hmm. just really trying to get it's hard to get cotton guys i feel like no underwear company wants to make cotton yeah. anymore because mm-hmm. it's not sexy quote unquote, yeah. but i'm like yeah it's so true <laughs> yeah and even cotton like you know is it what are we putting next to like against our mm-hmm. precious vaginas like is it organic cotton is it just synthetic mm-hmm. dyes and irritants like i remember I have, I used to get eczema um, and just my skin would be so irritated by just wearing certain underwear, even certain Mm -hmm. pads, because just Mm -hmm. those chemicals would just be like against the the really delicate skin. And it really is like a conscious decision what we put on our bodies. Um, Even things like, um, you know, those feminine, I I really dislike the word feminine hygiene products because it's not about, you know, it's not about hygiene. Well, it is about hygiene, but it's so much more than that. But you know, douching and feminine like sprays, like all this crap putting down there. It's no. just not necessary. Right. And in reality too, I mean, it's not meant to smell like that. So mm-hmm. I don't think that our partners or whoever we're with or whatever the case, like I don't think that they want it to smell like a flower bed. <laughs> they don't and I love that you said that because I actually recently asked my husband this is like a very intimate conversation (laughs) I'm going to share with you ladies um I asked him I said because obviously you know he's slept with other people before we met I said to him I said you know what does you know what like can you tell when 
a vagina, say, for example, has an infection going on or as like someone, you know, a man who is potentially around there or, you know, being intimate in that space, like how can you tell? Like, does it smell? How, how do most vaginas smell? Like, that's what right. I was asking him. And we have like yeah. the best relationship. We can talk about anything. And he said most women he's been with, um, you know, have very healthy it's very healthy smelling, but as soon as something is off, you know, you can, it's definitely, you can tell. And I said, well, what is it, what does a healthy vagina actually smell like? Because mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> and so he just, he said, it doesn't really smell, taste like anything. It's just, it, that, that's how it should be. Like it, it has like a very subtle, subtle mm-hmm. like t- nature to it, but that's the beauty of it. Like it doesn't, it shouldn't really smell like, like you said, like flowers or like detergent or sanitize, it should have that beautiful, natural muskiness, like, you know, yeah. that smell that is pheromones and hormones and being a woman, being a human. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting, just this is making me think about it, but like for my husband, if he comes home and he smells like sweaty and kind of gross, mm-hmm. like, oh I my God, me too. Like yeah. <laughs> so, it's, I mean, I, I can't no. be alone in feeling that. No, way. you're <laughs> not. It is hot, isn't so, it? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I love it. Um, and just kind of going off to like everybody's sucking it in and everything else, I just want to know your um, perception on this, but at least in the United States, and I, I think we're kind of getting away from it now, but there was this big um, push for everybody. Any problem that you had, whether it was like pain during sex or you had children or whatever the case was, there was this push by medical industry to do Kegels Mm. and like this tightening back up again. And I can just remember being like younger and listening in on like my mom and her friends conversations about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but like recently I have just heard a lot about the pelvic floor and strengthening it, but also like allowing it to relax too. Yeah. So I just wanted to know your insight. Really good question. You ladies are amazing. <laughs> I love this podcast. <laughs> it's so interesting that you say that because one of my cousins, she has done ballet since she was really young, um, childhood, adulthood. And she recently had a baby um, and she had to do work one-on-one with a physio to undo all mm-hmm. the tightness from all the years of ballet because it is like that tightening of the pelvic floor muscles through conscious Kegels or just, you know, dance or fitness. Like even in my fitness days to do mm-hmm. like a deadlift, you know, you have to really tighten up that, that pelvic girdle and the belt to, to protect your lower back. So I would just clench everything doing like heavy deadlifts and then not knowing that I was just tightening everything up down there. So, yes, this the societal, you know, conditioning of to have tightness down there, um, it doesn't serve us when we birth, you know, when we birth children or when we birth ideas. Like tightness is constriction. It's density. Like, again, where can we invite in that space? So I think it's important, yes, to have pelvic floor health, but we don't want to ever, I guess, you know, do too much of one thing. We need that balance. Mm-hmm. Um, we need the softness to come in. And that's where things like Yoni Steam, Castor Oil Packs, um, letting – and also I find really fine tampons uh, contribute to tightness in those areas because when you wear a tampon, 
it it's like this micro um clenching of of everything down there because there's something in there and the muscle mm-hmm. sense it and they just contract so myself and all my clients i really try to coach them to not wear tampons some people can't not um because really the blood should be flowing out and it allows that looseness and freeness in the vaginal tissue in the muscle and the fascia um and I guess, you know, a lot of us, we're, when we're nervous or when we're stressed, like we hold tension there. So it is like a remembering to loosen and let it flow and be open through that area. Yeah, I love that. that I just kind of want to add to that too mm-hmm. because um, what kind of got me interested even more in women's health before I went to acupuncture school, I was working as a physical therapist assistant and I was working with a outpatient physical therapist who specialized in pelvic floor. So I worked with both um, men and women, but she was also a myofascial release therapist as well. So what I Mm -hmm. found interesting is a lot of work she did was with Kegels, but there was even, there was just as much emphasis on the contraction as there was on the relaxation of it. So when you did it, it was Mm -hmm. like, you know, okay, squeeze and hold and relax. So when you did, they had, um, I think it was EMF. No, I don't think that's right. (laughs) <laughs> it was basically a probe to like tell you if, if you're contracting your muscle or not mm-hmm. so right. it, would, it yep. would show it and then you would relax and we could tell if they weren't fully relaxing so it was really about teaching both the strength and the relaxation of those muscles so they were aware I yeah it was really interesting and I like it's such a beautiful field to be in um and that's why I think it's so cool that you're in like the whole womb massage because um not only did we massage like the womb area, but I mean, a lot of this was internal too. Um, and it dealt with oh, trauma yeah. and in, a lot of women were there from birth trauma um, to their pelvic oh, wow. floor. So mm-hmm. it's such an important area of medicine. And I think it's just so underserved right now. And I'm so glad that someone like you is out there, him really doing that important work um, <laughs> to help women recognize that. Thank you. Yeah, this has been great. I hope that our listeners, because we haven't really like walked down this path too much, mm-hmm. so I hope that they really just can come into their feminine and be more okay with talking about stuff like this, accepting who they are, where they're at, and just in loving up on themselves. I love it. And I love like your podcast, In Touch, mm-hmm. right? Being in touch with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if any mm-hmm. woman is listening to this or any man and anything we've talked about, because we went pretty deep and then talked about, you know, intimate things and things that aren't talked about conventionally. If anyone listening feels, you know, just pay attention to what comes up for you when you, when you listen to this conversation. Is there any shame? Is there any judgment? Is there any tightening or constricting of our jaws or bodies when we hear topics you know when we hear someone talk about the vagina so openly or you know the odors of the, the vagina it can really just bring up things in some people so as you listen like you said it'd be great just to encourage you to just witness how you're feeling um how open you are or not open and just um yeah from an open mind mindset yeah love it all right love before it. we go Kimberly do you have um do you want to plug in your social media where people can find you Yes, mm-hmm. thank you. Um, I'm currently, I've been in business for years and I haven't had a website. How terrible <laughs> is that? I'm so terrible. So I don't know. It's currently being built. But if you would love to find me and follow my work, my Instagram handle is underscore 
Kimberly Peters, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y, Peters, P-E-T-E-R-S. And that's at the moment where I'm posting all the time and eventually and I'll hopefully have a website and other things to offer as well. Awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so excited that we finally got to like have a full conversation. (laughs) Um, Me too. Thank you, Nicole and Britt for having me on. It's really a pleasure and an honor and I really appreciate your time today. Thanks everyone to all our listeners. All right. Bye. Hey guys, if you want to stay in touch with us, pun intended, you can find us on Instagram at InTouchPodcast, where you can message us with questions, comments, or even episode topic suggestions. You can also find us on our individual Instagram accounts. You can find Nicole at Essence.Acupuncture, and you can find Brit at Balanced underscore Britta. Talk to you soon, and as always, stay in touch.